the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. If I could have that very first slide of my sermon up. Thank you. Gorgeous. Okay, now you have to bear with me because at the moment I have to do this and do the clicky thing and I quite often get out of sync. So we'll see how it goes. All right, today's message is God's final word, his son. And it is from Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 4. As you can see, we're starting a new series and that will be from the book of Hebrews. We don't know exactly who the author of Hebrews was. It was potentially the Apostle Paul, but it's never fully identified. So therefore, it could have been any of his contemporaries. What is, however, exceedingly clear as to whom this was written. The book of Hebrews was written to the people of the day that had been Jews. And then they had heard about Jesus. They might have actually listened to him personally. Uh, They could have been sitting on the lake when the fish and the bread was multiplied. They could have been somewhere when he did a miracle. They could have just heard about him through the retelling of the stories of the apostles. Now, they were probably practicing Jews right up until the time that they heard about Jesus. And they would have observed the covenants the laws, the rules, the regulations, and all of the things that the Torah taught them throughout their whole life. And they would have observed things like the purity and sacrifices and all the rituals and the festivals with, you know, all their family and friends. And then they met Jesus, and it changed everything. In Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20, Jesus commanded the apostles, and each and every one of us indeed, to say, go out and make disciples out of all the nations. What Jesus basically said was, go and tell every single person that you can find. Tell anyone that'll listen. If they'll sit still or stand still long enough for you to get a word and talk, tell them about me. So go tell about the salvation that I bring. Tell them about God's love. Tell them about the fact that the Father, the Father God wants to have a relationship with them and that he loves them each and everyone dearly. And tell them that through Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven, and we have been given this opportunity to become children of God. So the very first century Jews heard this. They heard it, and they believed it. They believed all of it. They believed it so deeply and so thoroughly and so strongly that their conviction was so strong that they turned away from everything that they had been doing, every way that they had been living their faith, everything that their families, their whānau, the greater groups with whom they hung out with, everything that these people had been doing with them since forever, they turned away from that. And they started practicing a new way of living in faith, a new way of having a relationship with God. And in this new salvation, they lived with Christ as their Messiah that had come. They believed that the Son of God had actually arrived. They didn't have to wait for him anymore. 
the promises of the prophets was there. Jesus the Messiah had come to save them, each and every one, individually. He fulfilled all the laws, all the prophets, and with that is this new faith, this new way of doing things. And now they were Christ followers, but not pure Jews anymore. They still had this rich Jewish background and heritage, but on top of that, it's kind of like the icing on the cake. Now they had Jesus as well. Now, if you think about it, the Jewish people had a very long and strong history um, of being God's chosen people. This had gone on for thousands of years. Their relationship with God, how they practiced their faith, had stretched for so long that it was literally into antiquity. The traditions and the practices of their faith had been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And as Jews, they stood apart from the world around them. Their faith, their Jewishness, if that's a word, was what made them unique. And it proclaimed them as being God's special people. And now some of them were turning their backs on that. They're turning their backs on the way that they had been living, turning their backs on the expectations of their families, um, of their friends, of the things that they've been doing, and they're embracing this new way of life. They're embracing Jesus Christ as the Messiah and as their Savior. And through that, they are stepping into a closer relationship with God. They come and see Jesus as the one that had set them free from sin, and all the ties that had bound them to this. Now, can you imagine what would have happened to them in that circle of friends? They're going to be pushed out. They're going to be pushed around. They're going to be prodded. People are going to like, what the heck's wrong with you? You're too good for us now. You're forgetting your roots, boy. Turning your, God on the, turning your back on the God of your father. I mean, if you really think about it, what they were doing was radical. And if you think about it now, if we live a life where Jesus was not part of it, where Jesus was nowhere to be seen, and I don't know, we did all sorts of silly and wild things. Um, we stole, we lied. If you don't want to steal, maybe you embezzled. It sounds nicer and fancier, still means the same thing. Um, maybe you belong to a gang. Uh, it doesn't matter, but the people that you surround yourself with would have been used to you doing these things. Just like the first century Jews lived in a way surrounded by people that was used to them living their life in a specific way. And then Jesus comes into our lives, and if he has the same profound influence on us today as he did 2,000 years ago to them, we are going to change we are going to turn our lives around. We're going to turn our backs on the stealing or the embezzling. We're going to turn our backs on having affairs, on lying, cheating, swearing, whatever it is. You know, we, we're going to stop. We're going to be different. And what's going to happen to us in the people that we usually surround ourselves with? Oh, too good for us now, eh, Ivy? Huh. Turning your back on your family and friends, huh? What about this one? Hmm. 
give it a week or two, she'll be back. Heard that one before? (laughs) And sometimes it's difficult for us as well. You know, just as it was for the Jews of the first century, there's a lot of pressure to stick to what you're always doing, to stick to the way of life that you grew up in, and to stay the same. For them it was to stay Jewish. And there was a lot of pressure for us. It might be any of the other things that I mentioned and a whole heap more. It could be that our friends want us to keep on partying and drinking and sleeping around because that's what they do. It could be to stay in the gang that expects you to break the law because that's what they do. And leaving, turning your back on these things, that's tough. It's really difficult. Choosing a new life, choosing to follow Jesus, that can be a bit of a challenge. And that was what happening to the first century Jews. They were struggling. You know, should we keep on going with Jesus? Should we maybe just, oh, this is too hard. Maybe I should just go back, just be a Jew. I mean, and the author of the book of Hebrews wrote this book to encourage those people. And funnily enough, he wrote the book for us to encourage us as well, to hold on to Jesus as our savior. Even though the world around them was trying to tell them to do something different. Today, I'm just gonna focus on Hebrews 1, verses one to four. Very short, very sweet. Now let's see. Ha, I got it. Hebrews 1 to 4, God's final word, his son. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed as heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. And so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. I love the heading of these verses. God's final word, his son. We heard that he spoke through the prophets in many ways and through dreams and visions and sometimes through burning bushes. And then he gave us Jesus and Jesus came and spoke an easy to understand Aramaic. <laughs> Would be nice if it was English, yeah. <laughs> but we have his word today in English, in Afrikaans, in whatever language you want. And we can see, we don't have to wonder. We don't have to go, oh, is this what he meant? We can know because he spoke as a human to another human and fully explained everything that we needed to know. So in the prophets, the communication from God was indirect to us. But when Jesus came, he was speaking to the people. He was speaking to us directly through his son, Jesus Christ. 
And God no longer speaks to us through dreams and visions, but in Jesus, he speaks to us in our Bible. We've got it on our phones, on our tablets, on our computers. Some of us are old school, we actually have a printed one. But we can carry God's word with us everywhere. We never have to be without it. Back then, some of the people might have sat down and listened to Jesus himself as he spoke and taught. Some might have been there, like I said earlier, when he was performing the wonders and he healed people. And others would have learned of him through the retelling of all this. And today, God's written word, Jesus' words to us, is available literally at the click of a button. The first two verses in the book of Hebrews tells us that God now speaks to us directly. His words are understandable. The message is clear. It's not blurred by dreams and visions and interpretations and colored by our own lives. Then to give clarification of who Jesus was, the verses go further and it tells us exactly what authority he has to be able to speak these words of God to us. The first two verses in the book of Hebrews tells us that God now speaks to us through Jesus. And those words are the final words that God has. Nothing of that will ever change. Jesus, the Son of God, has been appointed heir, meaning he's going to inherit everything. He will legally be the one that rules over us. Once he inherits everything from his father, he'll be the one that judges us at the end. Then verse 2 tells us that through Jesus, God created the universe. Genesis 1 tells us the creation account. And each time that God created something, it starts with the following words. And God said, let there be whatever it was. And it was so. And it was good. Genesis 1 never tells us that God thought about something and it magically appeared. Every time it says that God said, let there be. So God used the word to create. And then if we reference John 1, 1, it tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So now we have this reference of the word coming full circle. The book of Hebrews tells us that God created the universe through his son the book of Genesis shows us that each time God created something, that it was through the word that he used to create. And John tells us that the word was there from the beginning, that the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus was with God from the beginning. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is God and through him, Everything was created. The one that created everything, you, me, is also the one that came to save us from sin. He gave us salvation. He died. He died in our place, died in my place, died in your place, so that you don't have to. He reconciled us with God. And in the end, he will be the heir to all creation. He'll be the one that judges everyone that is alive at that stage, but also everyone that had passed away. And the book of Hebrews opens up by telling us to hold on to our faith. So when things are tough, when life 
you know, it's a struggle when our friends and the people around us or our bosses or whatever is giving us a hard time because of our faith to hold on because he is God's final word of creation. The hope that Jesus gives us, the warnings that he gives us in the Bible, the sacrifices that he's made for us, and the salvation that he worked for us. Those are all final, can't be changed. So when Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, better believe it, because Jesus is the final word from God. What Jesus said is what God meant for us to hear. He came to reconcile us with God. He came to die in our place. He paid the price for our sins. And I read somewhere that he removed the record of our sins. Isn't that nice? I mean, someone can come and pay my debt, but somewhere on a computer, somewhere, someone's going to know that once upon a time I owed someone money. Jesus wiped it clean. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. His death paid for our sins, and now when God looks at humanity, he sees only two things. He sees people that are still on the journey, that hadn't yet heard of him, hadn't yet accepted him. And unfortunately, when God looks at them, he sees people covered in sin, and it breaks his heart. And then he looks at the other people. So like I said, there's only two groups. And then he looks at the others, the ones that had accepted Jesus, that had invited him, and that said, Jesus, please come and bless me. Cover me, Lord. Cover me with your goodness and your grace and your blood and, and save me. And when God then looks at us, all he sees in us is the reflection of Jesus. All he sees in us is the goodness of his son. And he then embraces us as his sons and daughters. And we know this because Jesus himself told us that I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 3 tells us even a little more about Jesus, and I love this. It says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And there we have that reference to the word again. Jesus sustains everything through his powerful word. He was the creation catalyst, the thing through which God created everything. And today, still, he is the one that sustains creation. I'm going to read this so I don't miss it. The Oxford Dictionary says to sustain something means to be a source of strength to it, to carry it, to suffer with it, to endure with it, to encourage and support it, and to comfort it. And that's what Jesus is doing for us each and every day. He is our strength. He carries us. He suffers with us when things are going bad. He encourages and supports us and he comforts and he loves us. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He is the hope that shines through the darkness. He is the radiance that overcame death. And he is exactly as God is. Verse 3 tells us that Jesus died 
to purify us from our sins, to remove our sins from us so completely that we can actually stand in God's holiness. The Bible also tells us that he rose again and that he ascended to heaven. And verse 3 states that he is now sitting on the right hand of God, the majesty of heaven. And verse 4 concludes by really cementing this idea of exactly how amazing Jesus is by telling us how superior it is to anything, including the angels. Verse 4 reads, So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. The name he inherited is being called the Son of God. There is only one Son of God. No one else in the Bible had ever been called that. We are then, through Jesus, invited to be sons and daughters of God. Now these words, those first four verses, was written to encourage and to strengthen the first century Jews in their journey, in their struggles, in their life, telling them to hold on to their faith. And it is also an encouragement to us today. And just like them, we are constantly being faced with friends and colleagues and the media and memes on social media and movies. And oh, there's just too many things to mention. So much that is completely bombarding us every day, telling us that there's a different way of life, things that we know is not right. And sometimes they're straight up making fun of our faith. The enemy is trying to corrode our faith, meaning not fully attack it because then we'll stand up, but slowly, slowly eating away. Here is sort of like acid, just takes a little at a time, so small that you don't notice. And then one day you realize, oh, I'm not quite on the path where I should be. We are constantly being challenged by our faith, just like the Jews of 2,000 years ago. And what happens is the critical voice of the world gets really loud sometimes. And I would really then encourage you to go and reread Hebrews 1 to 4, or verses 1 to 4, because that reminds us exactly who it is that we are serving. And once we are solid in that knowledge, that we will hold on to it, hold on to Jesus, and not waver in our faith. Hold on to Jesus because he is the final word from God for humanity. He is also the only way for us to be able to get to the Father. I want to finish by reading these four verses again, but I'm going to read it from the Living Bible Translation. Long ago, God spoke in many different ways to our fathers through the prophets, in visions and dreams, and sometimes even face to face, telling them little by little about his plans. But now in these days, he has spoken to us directly through his son, whom he has given everything and through whom he made the world and everything that is in it. God's Son shines out with God's glory, and all that God's Son is and does marks him as being God. 
He regulates the universe by the mighty power of his word. And he is the one who died to cleanse us and to clear our record of all sins. And then he sat down at the highest honor beside the great God of heaven. And thus he became far greater than the angels, as proved by the fact that his name is the Son of God, which was passed on to him from his father. And he is far greater than the names and the titles that was given to any of the angels. So hold on. This is who we serve. This is where our hope lies. In Jesus, the Messiah, who came, who died for our sins, who removed our sins so far, it's not there anymore. He cleared the road that we can easily, with joy, approach God, who is so holy that had we been full of sin, we would have been obliterated. But through Jesus, we are able to enter into God's presence with joy. We serve the God that created everything, who holds it all in his hand, who sustains us, loves us, and who wishes to have a relationship with us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, can you imagine working for, I don't know, Apple, and Steve Jobs coming down when he's still alive, hopefully, um, and wanting to have a personal relationship with the person that sorts the mail, someone that sweeps the floor. That just doesn't happen. And we're just people. God that created everything that is so majestically above and beyond anything we can imagine. He wants a relationship with you and you and you and you. Everyone. He knows us personally. Our hands are written. Our names are written in his hand. He longs, he yearns to call us sons and daughters. And all he wants for us to do is to reach out to him. For us to reach out to Jesus and accept him as our Lord and Savior. If there's anyone here that would like to talk to someone about what you heard today, there's going to be a couple of people available to pray with you, to talk with you. And um, I just really want to encourage you to Stand strong in your faith and celebrate the fact that we are serving the most mighty God of all. Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you so much for your love. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much that you care for each and every one of us, that you've come to save us, that you've built all of this, this wonderful world that we live in. Father, and also that you know that we sometimes struggle, that you know that there are barriers for us. That, you know, sometimes we lose hope, we lose faith. Sometimes we get scared, people get sick, people die, and, and it breaks our hearts. Father, and sometimes we waver in our faith, and we ask that you will always remind us to turn back, to turn back time and time and time again. Because, Lord, whenever we feel that you are far away, it's not because you moved, it's because we moved. Father, get us to turn back to you, to turn our backs on the world around us, to hold strong. Father, thank you so much for all your love. Lord, be with everyone here. Bless them and keep them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. 
HuntleyBaptist.com.